Okay. Isn't that wonderful? Just wonderful to see people raising their kids for God's glory. Well, let me say also, how many watched Monday Night Football last Monday? Now, that was one of the best football games I've ever seen. And uh, usually you get a little bored with some of the games, but that one was totally the best. And the reason it was so good is because we won. But I, we barely won. I, I agree. And, of course, we can't forget the Montesano Bulldogs. They, they, they won again last night big. And, uh, you know, Aberdeen and Hoquim, they've given it a valiant effort. But, but Montesano is unbeaten so far, and they won 58, I think, to 14 or something like that. So how many live in Monty that are here? Oh, I'm so grateful, you guys. How, how many went to the game last night? Okay, good, just one. Okay. <laughs> the good-looking guy did. Okay. Anyway, now that we have that out of the way, uh, let me just say next Sunday... You don't want to miss. It's five on five Sunday. This is a Sunday where you'll hear five speakers speak five minutes. Then the buzzer goes off. They are given 30 seconds of grace. And then I walk up and take the mic away from them and give it to the next person. Or the next speaker will do that. But anyway, we have fun with that. And then after the service, we'll have pumpkin bars out in the lobby and uh, just celebrate Thanksgiving uh, together. So starting today... And after next Sunday, we're going to talk about some issues that we all deal with and how to overcome as a Christian. We need to remember victory is our birthright as believers. So today is about two paths uh, to walk through, uh, to walk through pain and how we overcome it. And I'm calling it the pattern of pain. So let's lift up our Bibles, smartphones, iPads, whatever else you have your Bible on. And let's make our prayer declaration together. Say this with me. Lift your mind and say this. This is my Bible. God's holy word. This book is alive and powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all it says I can do. I can be all it says I can be, and I can have all it says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can leave here changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in 2 Peter chapter 2, um, this is actually Peter just kind of warning Christians, and in verses 19 through 21, it reads like this, and he's talking about people who come, whether they're believers or unbelievers, they'll, they'll make promise. He says, they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. Now, listen to these words, for you are a slave to whatever controls you, for you are a slave to whatever controls you, and when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up again and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. It would be better if they had never known the way of, to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. They prove the truth of this proverb. 
a dog returns to its vomit, and another says, a washed pig returns to the mud. Aren't those comforting scriptures? Like, Pastor Doug, I thought you were going to help me get through things, and here you are telling me I'm like a dog returning to vomit and a washed pig returning to the mud. But the truth is, we all want victory and freedom in our lives, but there's an enemy who wants us to make wrong choices. And that's why, as we are dedicating Ezekiel this morning, the Word of God is so important for you to know. So many people come to know Jesus, and they never know the Bible. You've got to know the Word of God if you're going to make right choices. So on the surface, every deception looks right. Every deception, it it looks good, but it can take you down the wrong path. And what looks like freedom can lead us right back into the bondage we were saved from. That's what Peter is writing about to these believers. Don't buy into false promises that look like freedom, but will actually lead you back into a life of slavery. Now, on your notes, you can write this down. Pain is defined as something unpleasant, unnecessary, or unwanted. Pain is defined as something unpleasant, unnecessary, or unwanted. The truth is, physical pain, which there are two, primarily two types of pain. The first one is physical pain. And I don't know about you, I don't like physical pain, but I do appreciate physical pain because if I'm doing something wrong, it's telling me to stop it. So if you burn your finger, you, you automatically lift it off because it created pain. But then there's emotional pain. We usually find ways to mask the physical pain by medicating it with pain pills, alcohol, drugs, and uh, the new bestseller medical medicinal marijuana. <clears throat> but today, I want to talk to you about emotional pain. Emotional pain can be something we choose because we believe something or someone will make us happy or fulfilled in life. And by that belief, we can, we can make good or bad choices based on that belief if we do not stay in God's word. Now, emotional pain has a pattern. So here's the definition. Pattern means a form, a plan, a likeness, a picture of what something should look like. Now, in the Bible, like I told you, there's two patterns to work through emotional pain. And God reveals them to us through a story in the Old Testament that maybe you're familiar with or not. And we're going to look at it this morning. Now, whichever way you choose to work through your pain will determine how big or how small God is in your life. And God wants you to complete the story that he wrote for your life with him being magnified in your life, with him being big in every choice you and I make. So let me give you a quick background about this story in Genesis 29. There's a guy named Laban who has two daughters. The oldest one is named Leah, which her name means this. Her name means weary, tired, and worn out. And, and uh, so in the Bible, one of the verses say that Leah, Leah had no sparkle or light in her eyes. Rachel means beautiful, mature, female sheep. There you go. Well, she was a shepherd. And the story tells us Rachel was beautiful on the outside. She's absolutely gorgeous. And Leah has a, a good heart and a good personality. So Rachel's so beautiful, every man is smitten. Isn't it better that I said that? Okay, come on. All right. So 
Every man is smitten by her beauty, and, and the, the truth is every guy would want her to be his wife, and secretly every woman in the village wants to be Rachel as well. So Jacob, whose name is changed later to Israel, he sees Rachel and he's smitten by her beauty. And as the story goes, one month after he arrives to uh, Laban's house, he appeals to Laban to give Rachel to him as his wife. In fact, he tells Laban, I will do anything for you, for you to get, if you'll give me Rachel. And Laban says, anything? And he says, yeah, anything. And he says, okay, work for me for seven years, and at the end of seven years, I'll give you my daughter. Now, if you read this, this chapter, it tells us that, that Jacob says, okay, no problem. And it says that he loved her so much, it was just like a couple days. Now, that is great love, let me tell you. Now, if I were Jacob, I would have said, let me marry her today, and then I'll stick around for seven years and work for you. But he doesn't, it doesn't work that way. He works for seven years, and the Bible tells us he was so smitten with her that it just was a few days. Now, Finally, the big day arrives, and the, the party starts. Festivities begin in the evening with some very strong wine. And then the wedding takes place. And then in the morning, Jacob wakes up and he goes, ah! He realizes he's not married to Rachel. He, he married Leah, and he consummated his marriage. And he's not. He puts on his camel pants, runs out of his tent, goes to Laban and says, this is not cool. You gave me Leah. I worked for Rachel. I, I'm not a, I, I don't want Leah. And he says, I'm sorry. You don't understand our customs here. You don't, you don't get it, son. And let me just tell you, I had to give you Leah because the oldest daughter gets married first. It would have been a shame to our family and a shame in our community. So I'm sorry. You have to take uh, Leah. And so he says, uh, well, I want Rachel. And he says, okay, I'll give you Rachel. You have to work through the, or stay with her through the bridal week. And then when this week's over, I'll give you Rachel for another seven years of work. And uh, Jacob says, as long as I'm not waiting seven more years and I get her next week, everything's good. So that's where the story picks up, all right? So Jacob agrees, and now he's got two wives who are two sisters. How many know that's a complicated marriage right from the start? <laughs> so as the story is lived out, uh, the Bible tells us Jacob despised Leah. He just didn't like her. Leah represents a trick to Jacob. She represents someone he didn't work for and had no man romantic love for. And as you can imagine, uh, Jacob has eyes for Rachel He's attracted to Rachel, romantically in love with Rachel. He adores Rachel, and he ignores Leah and wants nothing to do with her. And that's where we pick up the story here in uh, verse 30 and 31 and 32. And this is the wrong pattern to work through your pain. Now, I, I just want to say this. Many people have pain that they didn't deserve. And why, we don't know, other than God's working something out that you don't know. And if you allow him to work it out, uh, things can be changed. But she starts out with the wrong pattern for pain. Verse 31 says, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, other translations use the word hated. He enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive. So Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, the Lord has noticed my misery, and now my husband will love me. So, the wrong pattern of, uh, to, to heal your pain begins. And just like Leah's life, 
we can relate to most of her responses in one way or another. When, when we look at Leah's life, it feels painful and unfair. And I mean, her father gives her to a man who doesn't want her, doesn't desire her, and frankly, doesn't want to be around her. So as we look at Leah's life, this is not an exhaustive study, by the way, when it comes to emotional pain. But hopefully, we can see God gives enough to us in this story that we can relate to it. Now, the name of each child represents a desire she longs for in her emotional pain. So her first child is a boy, and for whatever reason, families celebrated boys more than girls, and I think it's just because it, uh, a boy represented carrying on the family name. So here's on your notes, Reuben means, look, it's a boy. Okay? Now, I hope you can see. Listen to her pain. It tells us in verse 32, because she says, because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, now my husband will love me. As soon as she births the baby, she's more focused not on the child, but its gender because she's hoping this new baby boy will get her what she wants. And what she wants is to be seen by her husband. So write this down. People in emotional pain want to be seen. The name Reuben means, see, it's a boy. She named her son. Look, it's a boy. Hey, I see you had a baby. Yes. Yes, I did. Look, it's a boy. Really? You must be excited. I am. Look, it's a boy. Maybe you can relate to this in your own life. You seek to do something so you can be seen. I think most of us grew up doing this when we first start coloring our first, we our first little coloring book. We scribble all over the place. But our parents say, oh, look, it's beautiful. So what do we do? We get out some more paper, scribble all over some, and take it to our uncles or our best friends. I get scribbled pictures all the time in, in my office from the kids because I give them M&Ms, and then they bring me pictures. And I, and I say, oh, that's so beautiful. And I want to say, what is it? Yeah, but I don't. I don't ask. I just say it's beautiful. Sometimes I can figure out one of those are me, but I'm not sure who the others are. Now, I think most of us grew grow up not only doing this with coloring, but once we pass that stage, we, we do it by playing sports. We play t-ball, and we hit the ball off the tee, and our parents go, oh, that's awesome, and now they're clapping, and they're cheering, and the whole gang is there watching us, and we're saying, look at me, I hit it off the tee, and then we mature a little bit, and we realize now we have to move from the tee to somebody actually throwing the ball at us. And so as we get older, we realize, you know what? Baseball may not be my thing. So then we learn to be seen by getting good grades uh, or by singing at church or the choir in school or a school play or we find our niche in a certain sport or, or by playing video games. We become gamers or making money. And then if we're not being seen, we act like we don't care. But truthfully, it is a, it's the exact opposite of that. So Leah has a boy, and she finds us something worth being seen over, and she names it, look, it's a boy. Look at my job. Look at my status. Look at my friends. Look who I know. Look at my dress. Look over here. Look at my body. Don't look at my body. Look at somebody else. Look, look at my hair. Look, look, there's one thing for sure you need to know this. The older you get, the more wrinkles you get, and the less hair you have. 
and you can't stop it. It's just a fact. So enjoy it while you got it, all right? Truthfully, you don't know if what you see on a person is real or not anymore. It's kind of like the lyrics to the song. I think we have a video. Do we have this video ready? No? I sent it to you. Okay, we don't have it. I'll just tell you about it. Tell me if you got it. You just let me know. Okay. Okay, it's, it's the lyrics to the song by George Allen's called Side by Side. We played it before, but it's worth watching again. I don't think we have it, but I'll, I'll read you the lyrics. My girl and I got married last Friday. My girl was right there beside me. Our friends were all gone. We were all alone, side by side. We were so happily wed when she got ready for bed then. Her teeth and her hair she placed in a chair. Side by side. One glass eye so tiny, one hearing aid so small. Then she took one leg off and placed it on the chair by the wall. <laughs> I stood there brokenhearted. Most of my girl had departed. I slept on the chair. There was more of her there, side by side. <laughs> Look at me. Look over here. It's just a symptomatic some emotional pain of what we're going through, and we try to compensate for something we feel inside. That is what's in a lot of us. She says, I hope now my husband will love me. I hope he'll notice me. And what she's really saying, I hope now I'm enough. I wasn't enough, but now with Reuben, with look, it's a boy, maybe I am uh, going to be enough. Maybe Jacob will come by and maybe he'll see what I gave him, and he'll say, wow, you gave me my first boy. Now you're my number one girl. But it never happens. So the wrong pattern is started, and a piece is put into place. And just like Leah, we start going through uh, life asking, am I enough? Am I enough? Am I, am I enough? Am I as good as Rachel? And one thing I've learned in this life there's always another Rachel. If you're a Leah, there's another Rachel. If you're a Rachel, there's always another Rachel. You may be Rachel in Aberdeen and Hoquim, Cosmopolis, Montesano, Elma, but you're probably not Rachel in Linwood or someplace else. You know, you're, you're probably not. And so what looks cool here is that we'll always find there's somebody bigger, somebody smarter, somebody stronger, faster, tinier, more gifted, more talented, more shapelier, uh, better looking. And yet, what do we base our identity on to ease our pain? We, we base it on our looks, our smarts, our athletic abilities, and it becomes a slippery slope because there's always another Rachel, right? Now, if you're constantly competing with Rachel in your sphere, and, uh, and in your circle, you will constantly be trying to measure up and you will produce a baby and name him or her. Hey, look, look over here. See who I am? Look what I did. And I think this is the reason God puts this scripture, uh, this story in scripture, because the names of the babies speak volumes about the pattern of pain. The woman, this woman is in, in great pain and many of us are too. Now look at verse 33. She soon became pregnant again and gave to another son. She named him Simeon, for she said, The Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. So 
She names Simeon. His name means heard. So the first boy she names, look, it's a boy. And this one she names heard. Why, do you na- why did you name him heard? Because God heard me. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means I'm hated and loved, but God heard me and gave me another son. This is how the pattern goes. I'm not enough. I've asked everybody to look, but nobody's noticing me. Now, nobody hears me. That's what it is. People, write this down, people in emotional pain want to be listened to. And this emotion leads to, uh, if I can say it right, what it leads to is nobody understands me. And as a pastor, you don't know how many times when people are going through their pain, they find a way to compromise God's word when God says clearly, you need to forgive. You need to, to work through these things. You, you don't have the right to, to have a grudge because I'm the one who forgave you, and because I forgave you, you need to forgive somebody else. But no, you don't understand, Pastor Doug. You don't understand. Nobody understands me. So even though I'm trying to listen, they are set on this fact that you don't understand me. And they're going to keep doing what they do because they don't want to believe God's word over the lie. So you come into community, come into a church where there's an opportunity to be accepted and loved. But because you believe the lie that nobody will ever understand me, you have put up this wall that keeps you from being uh, in community where God might just be able to heal your emotional pain. Now, it's true that I will never totally be able to understand what it's like to be you. And it's true that you will never to be, be able to understand totally what it is like to be me. But in a small group with several people together, we might be able to connect, and together we might be able, as a body, to bring healing to emotional pain. All right? So listen to Leah. She feels hated by her husband, her little sister, her father. She feels hated by her father that he did this to her. She feels despised and rejected by everyone close to her. And because of her pain that nobody listens to me and nobody understands me, she can't celebrate anyone's blessings or success because that's just one more thing that she should have. She feels she should have. So what she does is she withdraws and isolates herself. Proverbs 18.1 in the New Living Translation says this, unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. The New King James says it this way, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. It's the pattern of pain, the wrong pattern. Leah is giving us a picture of how to deal with pain in an unhealthy way. So she has a third child. Look at verse 34. Then she became pregnant a third time and gave birth to another son. He was named Levi, for she said, Surely this time my husband will feel affection for me since I have given him three sons. Now Levi, this is what Levi means. It means joined or connected. So Leah names her first boy, look, it's a boy. She names the second one, heard. And the third thing people want when they're in emotional pain, and you can write this down, is this. People in emotional pain want to be connected to others. They feel alone, but they want attachment. And this is why I love God's word. I don't think uh, it's an accident that she names these three boys the three fundamental things that all of us need as human beings. See, 
Uh, every human being on this planet needs to be seen, they need to be heard, and they need to be connected or attached. And that's why, that's why we live stream our services because a lot, a lot of people are so emotionally hurting, they can't even make it to church. But maybe they'll listen to our service online. By the way, if you're watching online, we welcome you today. And, 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 and this is a time where the Holy Spirit can begin to heal them so that maybe someday they can get to church. But we believe everyone deserves a fair shot at being seen, heard, and connected. But Leah says, I'm not seen, I'm not heard, and I'm not connected. And this is the pattern, the wrong pattern of pain if we deal with it in the wrong way. And at first we want to be loved, then heard, and then Leah gets so weary, like her name is, so weary and so worn down, she begins to settle and says, I'll just settle for some affection and some connection, and some attachment. So what happens to those of us who who deal with this in a wrong pattern, what happens is we settle for a cheap imitation of connections, attachments, affection, and affection because we are in emotional pain and we, we have picked the wrong pattern. Now, we turn to substances, we turn to strangers, and we turn to stuff with a sensation of connections. So how do I choose the right pattern then if that's the wrong pattern? Here's the right pattern. Let's look at verse 35. Once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son. And I think everybody's thinking, oh, no, she's going to have another one. I wonder what she's going to name this one. I mean, she gave the first three some really strange names. But here's the the truth, I think. If we had all been going through what Leah was going through, we probably would have named worse things. We, we would have probably done worse things and just give our kids bad names. But she says, this time will be different. And the rest of the verse says this, she named him Judah, for she said, now I will praise the Lord. And then she stopped having children. So on your notes, write this down. Judah means praise. So she goes from, look, it's a boy. Please somebody listen to me to I just want to connect with someone. She says, I'm going to praise God. Now, everyone is thinking, what happened to Leah? What what went on in the last 18 months to two years? She's gone from somebody see me, somebody listen to me, somebody love me, to all of a sudden she turns a big corner and says, I'm just going to focus on God. That's pretty amazing. So here's a question. What changed? I mean, there's nothing significant in this story that tells us why this change happened, except, and you can write this down, and I believe this, the answer is her perspective. And she had an encounter with Jesus. And like I said, between verses 34 and 35, could have been 18 months to two years. So what changed her perspective? I believe she still wants to be seen like all of us do. And we want to be heard and we want to be connected. But maybe this name and the text of this story is connecting us to the main character of the whole book. See, remember it tells us in Hebrews 10, 7, it says this. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. So Jesus is saying, and the the whole book's about me. Psalm 40, verse 7. Then I said, behold, I come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. The whole book's about me, John 5, 39. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these 
but these are what testify of me. He's saying, you miss it. The life is not in the scripture. The life is that the scripture takes you to Jesus. So one of the things I do when I study a text is I'm always asking myself, where is Jesus in this passage? And I believe, this is what I, I believe, Judah was the fourth son, and after creation, Jesus entered the planet, on the planet, in the year 4,000. It's a significant number in the Bible. It also talks about the four corners of the earth, and John 1 tells us that he created the whole earth. Nothing was created without him. So the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And Jesus came from the lineage of the tribe of Judah, where God promised that there would be a king from David on the throne forever. And how many know there's a king forever on the throne? His name is Jesus. So I truly believe this story is put there to lead us to Jesus. And as we work through our pain, I believe Leah had a, had a Jesus moment and her perspective changed because she got a glimpse of who Jesus was and is forever and what for, would be forever in her life. So here's what I would like to suggest for all of us today. What Leah desired in Jacob and what you and I desire in others and in our surroundings and cir circumstances Jesus can be that and more. So write this down. Do not put your expectations in a person or an event, but in Christ alone. This whole story is to bring us back to what really matters. An encounter with Jesus changes everything. Now you can write this down. Don't look back at your failures or your setbacks, but at God's faithfulness. And you need to know that the pain you're experiencing right now may not change today, but everything could change in your perspective. And Leah thought she wanted Jacob, but you and I, what you and I are really looking for and what she was really looking for was Jesus. Leah, you're crying out for someone to see you. You're crying out for someone to listen to you. You're crying out for someone to connect with you. And she has an encounter with Jesus, and she began to praise him. And here's the key ingredient. Write this down. Gratitude. I think she began to, and, and by the way, gratitude and worship and praise, it's not singing a fast song or a slow song. It's confessing it with your mouth. And I believe she began to maybe sing it, she, I'm sure she said it, but I think she confessed, Lord, I'm so grateful for the life you've given me. I'm so grateful for the three sons you've given me. Thank you for, for Reuben, Simeon, and Levi. Thank you, Lord, that they've shown me, and through that, I see my pain, and I can say, you're the only one that can solve it, fix it, and heal it. So on your notes, here's the big thought for today. Jesus sees you when no one else does. Jesus hears you when no one else is listening. And Jesus is connected to you. He hung on a cross to be connected with you forever. And I believe this, this, is, this is a God moment that Leah had. I believe she realized, no matter what I do, Jacob doesn't see me. Jacob doesn't hear me. Jacob doesn't even want a connection with me. But wait a minute. The one who made me sees me. The one who made me hears me. The one who made me is connected to me, and I can praise him. Look at some of these scriptures, Luke 12, 7. This is a scripture on just being seen. And the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. He's saying, I see the birds, the little tiny birds. You're more important than that. 
Psalm 56, 8, you kept track of my tossings, my wonderings, my sorrows. You put tear, my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? See, he, he's just telling you, listen, I see everything about your life. Do you know why? Because I'm crazy about you. That's what he's saying. Psalm 34, 7, this is on hearing. 34, 17, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. Leah, what you want in Jacob will never be found. You can only find it in me. How about this verse, Psalm 34, 6? In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. And look at this last verse, and then we'll, we'll close. Romans 8, 38 through 39. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing at all, in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I just want to make it clear today that I'm not saying if, if you give your life to Jesus, all your pain will go away. I want you to hear that. But I want you to know this. Psalms 23 says, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when I walk through the deepest, darkest, bleakest areas of my life, I know you're with me and you'll see me through it. So sometimes following Jesus means the pain can get worse, but it also means the pain will be bearable and he will sustain you through it. He'll give you endurance and you'll learn more about yourself than you ever thought you could. And what I'm telling you is my own life this morning is I've had to work through emotional pain and hurts over and over again. I found one thing. Jesus is my anchor. He will see me through. Let's stand up. Today, you need to know Jesus is the only one that can give you and I a connection to our creator. He came, he lived among us hung on a cross, died in our place, rose from the dead. So we, the centerpiece of his creation, will not have to live life apart from him. And you need to know that some of the most painful times in life, the only thing that can sustain you is Jesus Christ himself. So here's what I found. Jesus is with me. He sees me. He hears me. He's connected to me. He forgives me, and I'll be with him forever in eternity. So every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know where you're at today, but you do. And maybe you came here just for another reason, but maybe today God's saying to you, you know what? You're here because I want to connect with you. I don't want you to go through that pain anymore. It's time to give your life back to me, or it's time to give your life to me for the first time. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment because every head's still bowed, every eye's closed. The only one looking around is me and the Holy Spirit. And I just want to know if that's you today and you know it's time to get right with God. If that's you, raise your hand right now. Just raise them high. Say, that's me. Anyone here that needs Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Raise them high so I can see them. Okay? I see one. Anyone else? All right. And let's pray this prayer together. Everybody say this with me, by faith. So, Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for loving me so much that you gave your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me for all my sins, all my mistakes, and all my failures. Come into my life and be my Savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my King. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand for this person. Now we're going to take a moment and we're going to worship and we're going to have altar workers up here. If you need prayer for anything, let Jesus make a way for you today. That's what he came to do. Let him take away your pain. Let's, let's worship.